we moved here from the top of East Mountain, and then I know that first, well, I guess it was the second winter we were here, my whole family got the flu, and our discharge pipe our, our, um, for our, our septic system froze. <laughs> and I was the only one that was not sick. And so we had to, you know, had to deal with buckets. And luckily, there's an outhouse. But I'm mentioning that it's it's I guess it's grandfathered in, because you're not allowed to put in an outhouse now. But at least we had that. We had some place to put it. But you you get very intimate with waste when you can't, when it just doesn't go out of the out of the bathroom yeah. naturally. Oh. The septic system is relatively new, right? I mean, it's yeah, just within yeah, a and, and mine is septic. And it's not. It doesn't. I don't have a uh, uh, a, a tank. It's just a. It's just the the cesspool. Okay. Okay. Yeah. You, uh, and I put a second. We put a second cesspool in when we bought the house. Yeah. And uh, I and people say we should replace it because there's assistance from the city and financial assistance, but I don't want to touch it. It works beautifully. But it's got two, the, the Rondout and the East Branch of the Rondout. Both <laughs> are very close very into it. Well, um, this is an alluvial fan here. So, I mean, you can look at it, you can see it on the map, how the formation is. Mm -hmm. It's very clear. I mean, that's why I put that in here because it's, it's, to me, that's very powerful. And what, where the flood is going to come from if I get flooded, yeah. if my house gets flooded. I think about that all yeah, the time. Yeah, I, I was just going to say, yeah, how, how big of a, uh, is that a part of your life? Well, I'm not in the floodplain, but just barely. Um, I know from history that there was, there was a big barn, possibly two, on behind my house, and I have had eyewitness an account of watching it go down in a flood. One of, uh, in, in 1928, there was a, a big flood. And uh, Earl Coddington told me about being evacuated. All the kids were being sent up this road to get out of harm's way. And uh, he, he remembered walking up, and he'd look ahead and be fooling around with the other kids, and then he looked down and look up and then looked down again, and it was gone. The barn was gone. No sound, nothing. It was just this quiet whoosh. The whole barn was taken. And uh, so I have that. And then when you look at how the lay of the land, the so-called hayfield, is all sort of scoured. And, um, and then since living here, we've lost probably 10, 10 feet of one of our borders from to the east branch. That's a lot. Yeah, it's a lot. And it's because it's, you know, it's bound by roads and then that one side. Mm -hmm. Not the whole thing, but it, um, it's sort of gouged out because the creek, the Army Corps of Engineers made it go straight with their, with their walls. And all of that washed away and all, there were trees and they washed away. So, you know, they, and they were established trees. I mean, there, there, there was a, a butternut 
that I could see from my house that had about six trunks, big trunks. And, uh, and that was tipped over. It died yeah. from so, too much water. The roots were exposed. But I mean, I've been grateful for the water being nearby. And it's been very interesting to, I mean, my well is very shallow. So I think it's under 50 feet deep. Um, you know, maybe under 30. I, I, I found a piece of paper, but I forget everything. And uh, it's very affected by when they put salt on the road and whatever chemicals are on the road. And also when the um, snow melt is coming off, it becomes all this murky color. Mm. And as the creeks are the same, it's mm. like the creek water coming into my house. Mm -hmm. uh, but I've also been very grateful to have the creek nearby because whenever we d wouldn't have electricity or something, I c we could go get buckets yeah. of water. We had water, whereas nobody, nobody else had it that close by. It's the sound of it that tells you what's happening. And I know when it's quiet, it's either because there's ice and snow or because it's been a, 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 a drought. The, the, I remember one time I was up visiting a neighbor up the road here, and <coughs> we were sitting there, and our kids were playing together. And they used to go up and down the valley. Nobody had TV in sundown. And so the kids were, were like these marauding gangs <laughs> of, of little people in their snowsuits. And they decided to walk down the creek all the way down, and they walked to the back of what used to be the sundown store. I don't know if you know that where that is. And they walked there, and that's where the water was rushing. So the ice was thinner or, and, 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 and less, uh, less stable. So they fell in. Oh, no. We weren't there. We heard about this afterwards, after they fished themselves out in their wet snowsuits. Oh, it was so dangerous. It was so scary. Mm -hmm. And instead of going into my house, because there was a rule, you're not allowed in a house without an adult in it. <laughs> uh, so they walked all the way up. It was wow. about five of them, four or five of them. And uh, yeah, they, they could have been swept under the ice very easily, because the current was there. Okay, David Van Valkenburg, um, 75 Van Valkenburg Road, Sundown. And I've lived here about 12 years now. I've lived in Grantsville 35 years, and my grand it's my grandfather's old farm. Here my grandparents uh, bought the farm in 1942, but they were caretakers for the Vanetten Flats, where the state owns. Previous to that, you too. You're, you're obviously your families also were able to make a living just from selling milk. They tried. <laughs> um, yes, in fact, we we were like uh, the Sundown area. You might say was back behind the times in some ways because we all had horses. We didn't use tractors. So uh, you got up, you milked cows in the morning. You went and you got the horses and you harnessed the horses. So and then whatever you did, you did with the horses. In Maybe fact, like Sundown didn't have milk. electric to 1946 here. Was it that early? I yeah. thought it was in the 50s. Yeah. 
46. Yeah, it was 46. I had no idea, but a, a yeah. gentleman came up and I wasn't home. My neighbor Pat was, and he said he worked for the electric company when they put wow. the electric in around here. Yeah. When did you get the telephone? That I couldn't tell you when they got the telephone. I lived in Claryville back then, and we didn't. We lived on the Wildcat Mountain, and uh, my father got us electric there. It was, or I mean, the phone there. There was two people living on the hill, and they wouldn't bring the phone service. So since he was the third person on the whole hill, they brought the phone. Oh. So, but what but, they but, have, they call a private line now, but really isn't a private line. Uh, you said party lines. It's, it's it was party lines, but even though you couldn't hear a person's voice anymore. They didn't tell you that, but it's still a party line. That's true. When I first moved here, I think it was still that yes. for a while. Yeah. So would you get a busy signal if you went to pick up the line and someone else was on it? Yeah, in the old days you did, but <laughs> and, and recently, I don't know when you exactly changed to a uh, private line because when my mom passed away before I moved up here, I kept basic service here mm -hmm. and I said somebody said you called 911 twice and it was kids fooling around down and they were using my phone they weren't using my phone but they were using my number somehow so I don't know if it was still party line and you just didn't know or right. what yeah I remember in Woodstock the party line yeah and you didn't have an exchange you just had the four numbers right yes yeah. first it would your ring would be four, mine would be two, yeah. and somebody else would be one. That's yeah. how you know who, who was getting called even or what. And uh, you could actually pick up the phone and listen to somebody's conversation back in, oh, the, yeah. in the 60s. You could talk. Yeah. Well, I know that my parents were irresponsible. They would, If they went out to a party over in Woodstock, they would call up the, the operator. I forget what her name was. but And they would say, uh, you know, Maisie's, we're going to be at so-and-so's house. If the girls wake up and get worried, we told them to pick up the phone and ask you to put, put us through. <laughs> <laughs> and, and they did that, because I remember waking up, my sister was four years younger, and I remember getting, g getting really scared. You know, one-year-old and a five-year-old. <laughs> and I made the, I, I, she called. But it was, that was the kind of community it was back then. That was in the in the 40s. 40s, yeah. Back when Claryville, some of the residents, like my father, wanted us to come to Tri-Valley School, okay? And at that time, they had 13 different school districts join to make the main school district. So um, two of the people were very strong against the Harold Benakin and Harold Cole, which were both supervisors really? of the town. And my father was good friends with him, but that kind of made the friendship because my father says, I want my kids to have an education. So uh, there was a lot of rivalry at that time, but that went over. I don't know. Now all the people in Claryville are new people, really, compared yeah. to there's very few. Well, there's a different economic level between yeah, Claryville yeah. and Sundown, and yeah. we don't have a lot of back and forth. Um, I, th I think people in Sundown stay, stick pretty much to themselves, except for the community much, suppers. Yeah. We're all aware of each other, but we're not that involved in each other's lives. Right. 
and uh, we are a community, but we're not actively on a daily basis. <coughs> but I, I know, I know what you mean because, and we always, we, f we feel that there's an economic difference. Um, I, I saw that. I actually, you know, you can see it easily. Grahamsville's really unique. Grahamsville was like a melting pot. Grahamsville came, all the people came in to work on the reservoirs, and right. then they stayed. So they're from New Jersey, from all over, wherever they could get a job. So that made Grahamsville uh, more popular. It's a good place to stay. It was right in the median where, where Sundown and uh, Claryville, Claryville didn't affect Claryville so much. As, uh, but uh, areas in between, like Eureka, Montella, a lot of the people right. were the same relatives that they took their reservoir property from, so. And, yeah, Lackawack. Yeah, Lackawack. Yeah. But people who have lived off land through generations like your family or Betty's family, do you have like a sense of identity around the land as opposed to like people who came to just work for the reservoir or, you know. I do, I mean, I, I don't have any cat or anything like that, but I. I love my property. I just like to be there. I find something to do there every day, you know. I, I just can't imagine how people lived in the 1800s and the 1900s. I mean, you see all these stone walls and mm -hmm. these buildings, and they didn't have any equipment or anything. They had a horse and a handsaw, and uh, it's just amazing what they did do. Well, they didn't have any TV to waste their time. or. or <laughs> Back we didn't have TV no. sundown to sundown didn't have clarify but you could stick an antenna out of the window and get TV reception back uh. in the fifties when the Freddie Aaron's came and first did it oh. so we could we could get like five channels sticking the wow. antenna right out the door. But there was sundown, a line going you looked up. all over and you're lucky if you got three cha snowy channels to look at. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our house had a line going up, but we didn't know we didn't want to maintain it. Yeah. We didn't want to have to cut branches and climb trees and fix wires, so we said, <laughs> enough, we don't need it. <laughs> I mean, you got, in 57, my grandfather had a TV, but you couldn't, you could look at shadows or whatever you were looking <laughs> yeah. at, you really didn't. And then, like you say, when the satellites came, you got better TV. Well, my father got a little better TV for a while because Verkiel let them hook on their line, but oh. after the lightning blew three TVs out, he, <laughs> he got a satellite. <laughs> it, it was so strong. When I was a child, uh, I must have been five, six years old, because of the barn. we had a barn up on top of the hill, and we went up in the spring, the barn was gone, it had burned down, lightning had struck it, it and that's burned. where they had the TV. So. Lightning does strike one of the ones to say because it kept hitting that antenna line of uh, Frank's. Oh yeah. How do you see? How do you see? How do you, do you see the future? No. I see it good. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> it depends. Yeah. Whatever. Um, my kids aren't interested. They don't come. They don't even come. No. 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 And These are the children who walked on the frozen river. Yep. My son lives here. He, he lives in Grahamsville. Yeah. My daughter lives in Pine Bush, and my younger son lives in New Paltz, and my oldest lives in L.A. Okay. 
well, LA so, is far, but other those other kids, Neapolitan, fine. Yeah, uh, that's not that far. That's not that far, but they still don't come. They think it's far. I mean, <laughs> sundown. Everybody thinks sundown is far. When, <laughs> when they would when they would go to school, they could, they couldn't they couldn't get friends to come over to play yeah. because oh sundown oh that's so far away I know I can't come out there my parents won't pick won't won't pick me up <laughs> I said we'll get you we'll, you know so we had to be willing and able to do all the transportation <laughs> on both sides of any social life for them the best part is being the assessor in town of Denning you go to the Ulster County where's Denning <laughs> 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 yeah, well, um, you should do a cartoon of that. <laughs> oh, and it's one of the largest geographically, isn't it? Denny? It's pretty large. Like Shandaken is the biggest. Has more state land. Uh, we have forty-two thousand yeah. acres of state land in town of Denny. Right. I think Shandaken has fifty-five or sixty thousand yeah. acres of state land. Your son, who lives in Gramsville, <laughs> what does he do? He's a state policeman. Okay, and he's happy. And his wife's so. a teacher. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's. You, you don't. You're not going to see any farmers anymore in no. this area. Even west end of Sullivan County, where it's beautiful farmland, they they stopped picking up their milk, so they've had well, real problems. You know. Having a hard time. So, w mm. when when did your family, your parents, stop farming? Um, sixty. Early '63, I believe it was. Uh, what was the break point? What made what was the break point? Um, the state said we had to, ha or the milk company. We used to deliver milk in cans, and they picked up the can. They weren't going to pick up cans. You had to have a bulk tank. Well, to put a bulk tank in, and to have a building for the bulk tank, it would cost the price of a small farm. So that knocked just about everybody out. And I say thank goodness for that because uh, you, it was, you just can't make a living at it. Um, people try to stay in with 50 cows. Now it's 500 cows is a small it, uh, it's, a, it's a factory, it's not a farm anymore. The, the worst part is the waste. You know, you have 30 cows here, 50 cows here, 100 cows, 200 acres of land, but then all of a sudden you have 500 cows and, Hundred acres of land. There's a heck of a lot of difference in the manure, and what are you going to do with it? You know. It's yeah. Yeah. The milk, the um, creameries just couldn't make a living. They, most of the creameries went out after that. Even the the ones that got hurt the worst are the ones that did go with a bulk tank. Mm -hmm. And then the creameries went out of business yes. a few years later. So it was uh, Dairy Lee was in, in the end, and they were ending up, uh, like I think Pete Farman, Furman was still farming. He's they were, the they were hitting people up for $5,000 to ship your milk to them. And he had incredible milk. Mm. Yeah, Pete Furman, Don Ackley, um, yeah. they were I think the last two that were basically dairy farms. Well, my reason for staying and being here has been a sense of um, a sense of here I have everything I need, and if I move to a town, oh, and I've, I've learned how to be independent here. And if I move to a town, whether it's a small town or 
a small city or an urban place. I become dependent on a grid. While I'm on the grid here, I don't have to be. I'm equipped to deal with life without depending on on phone companies and electric companies and garbage pickup and so on and so forth. So that's precious to me. I also have a confidence, even though there is pollution here, I have a confidence that the air and the water are clean still, or relatively clean. And I think you can't trust other circumstances. I mean, I, you know, the news about Flint and the news about this, you, you know, it, it's, it's a sense of safety. And I've tried to hope that my children would pick, pick up on that, but that doesn't matter to them. Uh, and at a certain point, I'm probably going to have to go when I can't manage anymore by myself. I get a lot of help from my neighbors. I can't imagine reestablishing a community like what I have here anywhere else. It's taken, you know, 44 years of living here to be a member of this community at this level of just feeling so much a part of it. But we're all older now, all of us here, and we're older people helping each other. Now, how long can that go? But I'd love to see some people move here, but I don't know how they're going to earn their lives unless they learn self-sufficiency. I mean, I broke down and got a generator because I can't be pulling my shoulder out every time I got to start a gasoline generator. And we never had a generator. We just, and I can't haul buckets from the creek. So, but we did and we did so gladly. But I'm always happy when I see somebody giving it a try, but I give them three years to see. It's about that, wouldn't you say? If they last three years, they might stay. I think the move here, you'd have to have a sense of individualism, like she says. I don't know that. I'm a private person. I don't have to belong to any group of any kind because as individuals, we can get along fine. But once you start in a group, we have a problem with this group or we have a problem with that person. and. I, I don't know. I don't want to get involved with that. <laughs> Conflict avoidance. Yeah. And what's yeah. going to happen to your farm as you get well, older? You know, we can worry about it, but what happens, happens. When I'm gone, uh, hopefully the grandkids will be interested in it, or my son. Or... A benign creek gurgles with deeper notes, hollowed tones circling the rocks. Flowing water has a soft, constant sound. Earth's fragrance seeps through fallen leaves, pungent and fresh. Sunlight filters. Leaves rustle, golden ash in the breeze. I am warmed. <coughs> Caw! One sharp crow declaring and talking, joined by another responding, they discuss my presence in this patch of woods, unusual now since more than a year, maybe more than two. Chatty and curious, shrill, short, sharp barks or lazy gargling rasping. These birds are observers, a team, a murder. The crows will stop commenting until I stir. 
They already have. I am still still. If I stay long enough, there will be other sounds to know. Remember? This patch of woods once held close, held close children's play. Forts were staked out, furnished with wares from household dump piles, abundant dinner parties of acorns and moss. Raging, once or twice a year, the creek's rush moves so fiercely that waters jump its banks, scouring, gouging, and furiously gnashing, vigorously sculpting the valley, carrying away barns and backhoes, gas tanks and tree ships with full root rigging. Boulders crash. Later, deer families come back here to rest in hollows, gullies scooped by raging currents, and the crows survey anew their alluvial fan. <laughs>